Well, folks, at the start of the FedEx Cup playoffs, there was more action in the courtroom than on the golf course. On Tuesday, a federal judge in California ruled that the three suspended PGA Tour players who have joined Live Golf would not be allowed to play in the PGA Tour's upcoming FedEx Cup playoffs. We'll break down what is a significant legal victory for the PGA Tour with our man Rex Hoggard, who is still in his dress shirt and did a phenomenal job covering the story for us today on Golf Channel. I'm loud, by the way. Plus, we'll dive into the report that the Open champion, the Players' champion, and the number two ranked player in the world, Cameron Smith, is leaving for Live Golf after the playoffs, as reported by James Corrigan of The Telegraph. But first, Callaway has developed their longest irons ever in the new Rogue ST line. These irons are breaking ground with a high-strength 450 AI face cup that's never been seen before in the industry. Callaway has continued to push innovation through their patented urethane microspheres and have massively increased their precision tungsten weighting. The Rogue ST lineup is available in four options to suit every type of player, including the Rogue ST Max for incredible speed, forgiveness, and performance. They're available now, and for more info, visit CallawayGolf.com. Dot com. Rex, you are T-minus six hours until you hop aboard a red-eye flight from San Francisco to Memphis. They, they have those? Uh, not direct, no. I'll, oh, I'll dear. Be, I'll be making my stop in Atlanta sometime to early tomorrow morning. But, yes, there, it is a red-eye to uh, inevitably getting to Memphis. I cannot wait to see your first report tomorrow, uh, presumably – on golf today after a full day spent in a California courthouse, plus a red eye, plus a layover, uh, coming in hot and heavy for the first stop on the FedEx Cup playoffs rotation. That, of course, is the FedEx St. Jude Championship, formerly known as the Northern Trust, formerly known as the Barclays, whatever you want to call it, folks. It is the first of three postseason events. Who will not be? In this opening field are Taylor Gooch, Matt Jones, and Hudson Swafford. Those are numbers 20, 65, and 67, respectively, on the unofficial FedEx Cup points list. Now, a federal judge ruled on Tuesday, as we said in the opener, denying their temporary restraining order that would have allowed them to play in the FedEx Cup playoffs. Rex, you've been out there for the past 24 hours break it down for us what was the vibe like today at the courthouse i was talking with one of our our bosses uh, and we have many many bosses at golf channel but uh, one of the bosses this morning when he was trying to get you know the feel for where we we were at at this point and he wanted to kind of get the same thing he wanted me to paint the picture of what it was like at the clubhouse so i woke up early the, the clubhouse the courthouse i mean i'm sorry courthouse uh so keep in mind that the hearing was not until one o'clock Pacific time. And because I just flew out here yesterday, I woke up at 530 and I'm buzzing around my room. Ready to go. Ready to go. And so I go over there early, like 730, 8 o'clock, and I'm going through security because I just want to get a lay of the land. I just want to see exactly what the courthouse is like. I want to see what the court where the courtroom is. I want to see how many seats there are. So I get an idea of, you know, how early do I have to be here? And so there's obviously very, very, I mean, security is serious in courthouses, by the way, as opposed to TSA, this is really serious security. Or, and, or, uh, or, or golf tournaments. 
true, true that. And uh, one of the security guards, who is a U.S. marshal, marshal by the way, he sees uh, my computer bag and it says Tokyo Olympics on it. And we start talking about the Tokyo Olympics. And he said, what sport did you cover? And I said, golf. And he goes, man. And he kind of looks over his shoulder, not once, but twice. He looks over his shoulder, not once, but twice. And he goes, I know this is a touchy subject, but what's up with this live golf thing? And I could only laugh. Sir, my- sir we're about to find out. I, that's what I said. I said, give me five hours. I'll have a better answer. And I said, that's actually why I'm here. He, did, he didn't even know that I was there for the hearing. But it was, it was a little bit more subdued, actually, than I thought it would. I mean, I think there were some news crews there. There were some local reporters there. There was um, the reporter from the Fire Pit Collective, who we're both friends with. He was there. There was a reporter from Golf.com. So there was interest, but it wasn't the standing room only that I expected. And it was a little bit longer than I had anticipated. I'd been told it was going to be 60 minutes, 90 minutes, somewhere around there. It went a little over two hours, but I have to admit, and uh, trust me, like I'm sure anyone who listened to this was like bored to tears, but I was fascinated by every single moment of it because all of the things that I had read in the court filings, all of the motions and and all of the claims and all the expert witnesses, they all kind of came to life. And it was like watching a play that you had only read before. So it was, it was fascinating. And I, I, it was clear from the outset that the judge was leaning against the live players. She made, she it made that clear in like her opening remarks. Yes. Like two things. She made it clear that I'm making a ruling today before you walk out of this courtroom, you'll have an answer. And two, I don't like where you're going with this. And I, I have to admit like the ebb and flow of that was fascinating to me, but we, we can get to how, how it transpired from there, but that's kind of the setup. I was I was listening to her opening remarks and I said, "Boy, are these lawyers even gonna like get a chance to to speak?" Because it, it it almost sounded like she'd already made up her mind. It, and I she said something along the lines of to the lawyers for the plaintiffs, who in this case uh, were the three uh, live players, that you basically need to convince me yeah. to grant this 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 TRO. Now the, the owners you have an hour to do them. it, and it, you have yeah, one exactly. hour to do it. Yeah, so that uh, that that's actually the the way it was set up, and and, and I guess. It's funny. I actually got a text message afterwards from a, a, a manager who was sitting in the clubhouse in Memphis at the FedEx event, the first playoff event. And he was painting this picture for me that was fascinating. It was it was all the world's best players. It was Roy McIlroy and it was John Rahm and it was Will Zalatoris. And they're all watching the proceedings on this on an iPad. So kind of just put that in your mind, like paint that picture for me in your mind. And they're hearing the same thing that you and I are sitting here talking about. I mean, they hear the judge come out and say that Liv Goff is going to have to make a really good argument because I'm not feeling it. And then it gets to the point, and I don't want to jump too far ahead, but it gets to the point in the proceedings where the tours lawyer was having to make his argument. And keep in mind, I don't want to bog this down with legal stuff because it gets boring and it can really just wear at you. It can be mind-numbing. But what they were arguing was that the PGA tour in their regulations can come up with sort of these two concurrent penalty phases. One is the normal penalty phase where you're suspended. No, I'm not suspended. Here's my appeal. Okay. I want to stay at this appeal. Okay. You can keep playing until we come up with a solution. The alternative to that is some sort of probationary suspension, which is what they went with these particular players because these players were never granted the full appeal process. They were never granted the stay a process, which is why we ended up in the situation we are. And up until this point, and keep in mind, we're almost an hour and a half into the, into the hearing by now, that the, tour, uh, the judge starts picking apart the tour's argument. 
And like, I can just imagine how this is landing in the clubhouse in, in Memphis. Cause with me, it was, Oh no, like they're ripping the tour apart on this one. Like she was having no part of this. I think at one point I scribbled down some notes saying that I know the way you want me to read this, but I'm reading it as it is. So you're going yes, to have to make yes. a better argument. And it was fascinating to me. She was poking holes first of all. So the, the lawyers for the live players, he went on for roughly 50, 55 minutes. 55. Uh, I did it. Yeah. And that was a, and, in a tweet. Check it. And the judge uh, spent considerable time poking holes in his arguments. It was not going, it was not going well to the point no. that I thought that I thought the lawyer for the PG tour was just going to stand and say, no, nah, I'm good. You can go ahead and render a, <laughs> nah. render a verdict here. Uh, but, but you're, but you're right. She did start poking holes into some of those arguments for the PJ tour as well, which is why, you know, when you look and you, and you zoom out 30,000 feet, this was no doubt a significant win for the PJ tour legally. And we'll, we'll get into that certainly, but it, it's also important to note and legal experts have stressed this over the past couple of weeks, that this is a very narrow decision on a very specific relief injunction. It does not necessarily it's not necessarily an indicator that this is the way the judge and the court is going to decide with the broader antitrust lawsuit that has been levied by what is now 10 players used to be 11. Carlos Ortiz has dropped out uh, according to the managers you reported uh, today on golf channel. It is not necessarily an indicator. And I think the judge today sort of laid the, the groundwork for the work that these lawyers on both sides are going to have to do over the next year uh, to make their cases just a little bit Year. stronger. Year. Z. Years. Well, and, and 20, again, August, August, 2023 at the earliest folks. Well, no, I'm, I'm, I'm breaking the fourth wall here. So it was fun. And so at the end of this, when, when after two plus hours of, of arguing back and forth and, and a lot of questions and a lot of bickering and a lot of, you know, legal mumbo jumbo that the judge takes a 15 minute recess to make her decision. She comes back out and she very, very quickly makes the decision. She denied their request for a TRO for a temporary restraining order, but she immediately goes to, okay, let's start planning for the antitrust lawsuit, which as you pointed out is going to be a long-term project. She said that she has two dates this year that they can get started. And if we can't figure out how to fit those in, that we're looking at 2025. Oh. Which is amazing to me because now all of a sudden you're like 2025. Like what's the use at that point? If you're, I don't know, if you're Hudson Swafford, like at that point, you're three years removed from the PGA Tour. Aren't you just be like, all right, I'm good. Like, let's just let it roll. So we all figured that this was going to take somewhere between like two and 10 years until we actually had a resolution in this case, they may, they, they may, they may settle, they may dismiss it. Like, we don't really know how this thing is going to shake out. We did know, however, it was going to be a very protracted process. That's why Rex, I thought today was so significant because there would be some precedent. So when you start to look at the stakes for what this temporary restraining order hearing was all about, these three players very specifically, as they requested, wanted to play in the FedEx Cup playoffs. Now, why did they want to do that? Players who are very pro PGA Tour kept putting that out on Twitter. Why do these guys want to have their cake and eat it too, I believe is the phrase du jour uh, of both these sides, times. Though. Both of, sides of the, use that phrase. Of, of course, I'm ready to Just retire. Weaponized. I'm very uh, ready to retire 
uh, that cliche. However, it is not because they wanted a, a slice necessarily of this $75 million FedEx Cup. The p- reason these players wanted to participate in the FedEx Cup playoffs was because they had the chance then to reach the Tour Championship. By reaching the Tour Championship, a whole different avenue opens up for these otherwise potentially exiled live players. If you reach the Tour Championship and are among the top 30 who uh, advance all the way to East Lake, you are qualified for three of the four major championships in 2023. That is still the open uh, question mark, Rex, for these live players and these players who decide to bolt. And there's obviously various exemptions for players like Brooks Kepka and Dustin Johnson, Phil Mickelson, Bryce Nishambo of the sort, who are exempt in the major championships unless somehow uh, these major entities decide to rewrite their qualifying criteria and ban live golfers. That remains to be seen. That is very much uh, uncertain at this point. But for the Taylor Gooches, the Hudson Swaffords, the Matt Joneses of the world, this was the one way that they were going to be able to play in three of the four major championships in 2023. It's not because they needed an extra $1.5 million or whatever uh, in FedEx Cup money to add to the already substantial money they have accrued from Live Golf. And as you heard uh, the judge say on Tuesday, she was denying their TRO basically because the attorneys did not prove irreparable harm. In other words, these players would not be irreparably harmed by not competing in the FedEx Cup playoffs. They've already been paid, to, to use her terminology, significantly more than what they would have earned on the, in the PGA Tour playoffs, what they've earned in their PGA Tour careers. They've already amassed that wealth by signing for Live Golf. That was a huge sticking point for the judge, and that is a significant reason why she ultimately opted against it. But like that was what was at stake, getting those guys potentially in the majors next year. And it also Rex sets a precedent for guys to challenge the PG tour in court. If the judge kind of ruled that this appeals process was not properly vetted. It does. And harm was a big part of that. And, and they went straight to, which I thought was fascinating. The, her decision not to award them the option of harm was based entirely on the live contracts, which were provided only sealed. So we didn't get a chance to look at those contracts. They, they were sealed from the public and they went out of their way to make sure of that. But based on the money that they had been given for those contracts, that was part of it. The other part of it was, and again, I, I think this looks kind of to the future. It's at one point during today's proceedings, a slide came up on the big board and it was just kind of part of the conversation. And the judge did not want any part of the antitrust conversation. Not today. That's a much bigger, broader conversation. She tried to live. Best. The live lawyer definitely wanted. He did. To start did. talking it, about that. And she yes, kept kind it, of like putting him back on the tracks. Because you can't do that in an afternoon. You can't do that in, in you know, half a year. I, I simply think it's going to be such a, a broad and complex and, and in-depth conversation that she was trying to be, uh, this was an expedited process and she was trying to follow that as best she could. But it's, at one point there was a screen that there was a snapshot that sort of snapped up on the board that showed that five out of the 10 players from last year's uh, player impact program, the PIP, 
which is by the tour's definition, the 10 most important players in all of golf, as far as attention and, and, and drawing viewership and everything else that goes into it. Five of those 10 have now gone to live golf. And her response was, and I had to write this down and underline it five times. That's remarkable. Because I think this goes to the tour's argument going forward, as far as the antitrust conversation goes, is that you can only have an antitrust conversation when there's unfair competition. And based they on what a, they, thought, they, they said, a projected 20% market share. And, and exactly based on their own conversations, based on what they've already done so far, based on the idea that they are sold out, like their counter argument to why should we think there, sh- there would be harm if these guys did it now, instead of just waiting until after the FedEx cup playoffs Liv's own lawyers said that, well, those 48 spots probably aren't going to be available after the tour championship. Well, then by your own definition, this is a wild success that people want to do this so badly that they're going to jump on board. It was the actual TRO was such a small portion of this. And you're right. It's important to point out that whatever lies ahead and and I'll say this to kind of peel back the curtain a little bit. And in Jaime's defense, Jaime Diaz, he asked me before I went on tonight, can I ask you if this is vindication for Jay Monahan? And I kind of pushed back saying that, Jaime, this is such... This is kind of a small picture. I mean, this is a small piece of what's going to be a larger battle. We keep saying that. But he asked me anyway, and you have to understand. <laughs> he asked me anyway. But you have to understand that, look, man, like there, she is going to decide a much bigger picture one year, two years, three years from now. Like, and it's not going it's to be a, based it's at the, all. It's the, same, it's the same judge who is going to be deciding the broader antitrust lawsuit. And it's not going to be based at all on what happens today, on what happened today. Like what happened today, the tour can take a victory lap and they, they should. And, and the better answer to that in what I tried to get around to was Jay Monahan, the commissioner, ha- has been very strident telling his members that, look, we are going to protect your position, that the competition is not going to be disrupted by whatever it is they're trying to do. By allowing these three players to compete this week, that would have disrupted the comp- competition. I know they have split the list and they'd have found a way to make it work just monetarily, but having those three players in the field would have disrupted the competition. So on that front, yes, Jay Monahan is vindicated because he decided to line here and he didn't give in. Now, the bigger picture, as far as the antitrust stuff goes, I don't know, man. Like, I, I think if we learned anything today, it's that you can't figure out where the, tours, where the courts are going on this. As it pertains to just this week, they have to be popping bottles of champagne at Camp Pontevedra tonight because it would have been a massive distraction. It already was a distraction on Tuesday, tomorrow, Wednesday, uh, the day before the tournament begins. It's going to be all player reaction, guys uh, beating their chests, showing further support for the PGA Tour, uh, applauding the decision of the judge to keep these guys out of their precious FedEx cup playoffs. Like it, it would have been a significant distraction had those three been allowed to play. I know that they could throw them at the end of the T sheet and, and set them off and they're kind of prize and guys will give them the cold shoulder. Maybe they, they just, you know, let them know either subtly or not uh, that they're no longer welcome on the PJ tour. It, it, to me, Rex, it was more the precedent that could have set had the judge allowed them to play. And look, Part, I've, I've, I've kind of wavered over this after talking to people and thinking about it probably more than I should have uh, over the past week. Like you could see an argument where the judge would say, oh, you know, just let them play. We'll, I'll, I'll dig into this more and, 
and, and, and render a final decision. You could see that side, the other side, you, you could also look at the appeal process and, Hey, you're going to let the play out. The other side is uh, this kind of seems like a, a, a phony emergency injunction when they were suspended more than uh, two months ago at this point. No, she didn't find that by the way. Like she did not dig in on that. She felt like she, no, no, she said, she yep. said, yeah, she said it was appropriate, which I actually found a little bit surprising. Uh, no, I read... don't. I don't. Cause this is based on those regulations. So, you know, you don't want to get too far in the weeds, but in, in, I had had this explained to me that they had not exhausted the appeals process written down by the tour's own regulations. And so the idea being that had they sent this lawsuit in or this injunction, you know, this request in earlier that the tour could have just counted and said, look, you haven't exhausted our own administrative process. So until you do that, we can't go to the courts. I, I understood that aspect. But they still it. haven't. They still haven't exhausted it. The appeals process isn't over. Uh, it is. It is based on the idea of this dual track. So you have suspensions on the PGA Tour based on their regulations. And then you have sort of this concurrent suspension that if because if you're on probation and you 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 become what they call a recidivist 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 uh-oh here we go oh we have to fast forward that one got me uh that the, that the commissioner can Rivalry. step in and circumvent that process and that's what happened here and so the argument today that that look it seemed like the tour was losing this argument for a, a solid minute during today's proceedings at least five the judge was not buying that. The judge did not feel like the language in those regulations justified what happened. However, in the end, they went the other way. I will say this. Now, to your point, and, and the lawyers for the tour did a really good job of painting this picture of what it would be like if Wednesday afternoon Hudson Swafford and Matt Jones and Taylor Gooch showed up in Memphis wearing their live golf team gear and doing press conferences and talking to the media and essentially – what he said was, it's a stage for the competition. That's a quote. It's a stage for the competition. Yeah, the judge was having trouble wrapping her head around that this would be like incredibly harmful for the PJ Tour to have three players from a rival tour showing up and competing in. Well, and I can say their, this their is where event. things got sideways because I, I can say that I was in Scotland at the Scottish Open. And for example, Ian Poulter was wearing his live golf team gear and he had been granted a very, very similar injunction to play in that event because he had been suspended. So I don't know if these guys would have, but by and large in Lee Westwood as well in, in Scotland, when they showed up, they probably would have showed up with whatever, I don't know what teams they're on. I haven't been paying attention to mystics or the Niblicks or whatever it is, what team they're members of mm, Niblicks. Niblicks. Uh, I will say this though. So I was texting back and forth with a manager who's in Memphis and to your point about sort of the reaction. And he, he painted this picture of Rory, John Rahm, and Will Zalatoris, among others, sitting in the locker room late this afternoon, watching a little tiny iPad, the proceedings. And, and the, he, when I asked him, you know, well, what was that like? And he goes, well, there were some ner- they were nervous until the actual ru- ruling. And I said, reaction? And he goes, lots of smiles and fist pumps. So that gives you an idea of exactly what this meant to the players. Isn't it possible to Rex? That if these three players had gotten into the playoffs, and that was what the specific TRO was for, what was stopping or what would be stopping Phil Mickelson, Ian Poulter, the other players who are listed in this 10-man uh, anti-trust uh, lawsuit from 
then filing a similar TRO at the start of the PJ Tour season, uh, requesting injunctive relief in order to play the start of the FedEx Cup season. Nothing would stop them. And in fact, they would have had precedence, would they have not, to, to say, hey, you, you know, we, we want in on this action too. Uh, there was uh, some interesting action this morning. So early this morning, right? Actually, right before we went into the court, um, the live lawyers, the, the players for the, uh, the lawyers for the live players had filed sort of an amended copy of the motion that they were requesting for this TRO. And I had to kind of go back and sort of dissect exactly what the difference was. And the difference was this. In the original motion for the TRO, they wanted these three players to be able to play the playoffs. And there was more language that suggested they could play beyond. So to your point, yes, there would have been nothing that would have stopped Phil Mickelson or any of the others who haven't. Now there's been quite a few of them who have renounced or turned down their membership from suddenly saying that, okay, I want to go play the Sony Open in that, in that particular situation. In the new filing, they actually narrowed it down to just the playoffs. And the judge made a point of thanking the lawyers, saying that this, this makes it easier. Like by just making it about the playoffs, you've streamlined the process and we appreciate that. So they understood that this was a much broader conversation than just this week's event in Memphis. Uh, the various entities have weighed in, uh, live golf uh, statements, uh, called it disappointing that those three players would not be allowed to play golf. Quote, no one gains by banning golfers from playing the PGA Tour uh, as well. In a memo from PGA Tour Commissioner Jay Monahan to the membership said that uh, now the players, fans, and partners can focus on what really matters, and that's the best players in the world competing in the FedEx Cup playoffs, capping off an incredibly compelling season, which, of course, has been dominated by uh, much drama. That is uh, my addition, not Jay's. Uh, with the crowning of the FedEx Cup champion at the Tour Championship. Now, Rex, as we look ahead now to the beginning of the FedEx Cup playoffs and this week's FedEx St. Jude Championship at TPC Southwind, well, you will be tomorrow uh, bleary-eyed, uh, of course, uh, and probably in desperate need of some barbecue we do have a developing story with Cameron Smith mentioned at the top of the pod read. He is the number two ranked player in the world. He is the newly minted open champion. And of course he is the defending champion of the players championship, the PJ tours flagship event. And yet on Tuesday afternoon, James Corrigan of the telegraph who has been at the forefront, I would say of all of these player signings as it relates to live golf, uh, reported with a colleague that Cameron Smith uh, has signed an offer with Live Golf that will pay him in excess of $100 million to join the rival tour and will play in the third event of a Live schedule that is uh, expected to be held during Labor Day weekend uh, outside Boston. That, of course, is after the conclusion of the FedEx Cup playoffs. And so you have a potential scenario where Cameron Smith, the number two seed as we enter into the playoffs, could win the FedEx Cup playoffs, capture the $18 million first place prize, and then leave the following week for the rival tour. What's your reaction to what we had kind of been hearing, Rex, over the past weeks, even the past couple months as, as it uh, relates to Cameron Smith? Uh, I think this has come up. I mean, I think you and I had talked about it. We both had heard the rumors about both Cameron Smith and Mark Leishman, like not to 
throw one more person under the rumor mill bus, but I mean, the, the rumors are out there. Anyone, just out of curiosity, anyone who has any interest in this, and because I was fascinated, I, I had just gotten through with one of my hits on Golf Central tonight, and they did the Cameron Smith sound afterwards, and they pretty oh. much ran oh, the entire goodness. interview. You want to talk about awkward? Right? I mean, Shane, Shane, Shane Ryan, uh, yes. who, is our, who is our friend, a contributor to Golf Digest. Uh, it, appears that, it appears that Cameron Smith, uh, so first of all, this press conference was held a little after 6 p.m. Eastern time, so more than 5 o'clock local time. I don't ever recall a PJ Tour press conference being held at that hour. I fully anticipated in the wake of this uh, Telegraph report coming out that Cameron Smith was going to cancel this press conference. To his credit, I suppose, uh, he uh, stepped behind the microphone. He was asked, I believe, five questions, uh, four of them uh, relating to this report in the Telegraph. And Cameron Smith uh, essentially just no commented Shane Ryan. He, he said that his goal is, is just to win the FedEx Cup playoffs. That's all he's here for. Uh, it will, if, if anything, he needs to say in regards to PG Tour or Liv, it's going to come from him, not anybody else. He had, quote, no comment to that uh, when asked specifically about the Telegraph and just said that he was here for the FedEx Cup playoffs. Now, it was interesting, Rex. Uh, the, the no comment part uh, wasn't all that surprising. In fact, uh, Cameron Smith said something similar uh, after winning uh, the Claret Jug at St. Andrews. Uh, uh, our buddy, uh, Phil Casey, uh, pressed Cameron Smith there as well. And he said, you're asking me about uh, live after I just won the British Open. I don't think that's very good. And so that his management team handles all of that. Now, here's what I found interesting. And you can uh, find the clip online, I'm sure. Cameron Smith said that he absolutely, quote, absolutely intends to play the President's Cup. And that's something that he's very much looking forward to. However, the follow-up. Cameron Smith, the follow-up. Bolts. No, first of all, hold on. So if Cameron Smith bolts, for Live Golf, and he plays a third event. That is September 2nd through 4th on the calendar. The President's Cup is September 22nd through 25th, I believe, at Quill Hall. He will be immediately suspended as soon as he hits a tee shot in Boston by the PG Tour. He will be uh, deemed ineligible, not just from the FedEx Cup season, but the President's Cup as well. And so Shane Ryan then followed up uh, two questions later and said, well, can you comment on that scenario? Because if you're playing the live event in early September, then you cannot play in the president's cup in late September. And he said, like I said, I'm here to play the FedEx cup playoffs, mate, mate. That's what I'm here to do. I'm here to win the FedEx cup playoffs. That's my priority. And so Shane Ryan, uh, like the rest of us were very confused because just moments earlier, Cam Smith had said that he was looking forward to playing it. Cameron Smith said, no, no and then looked uh, to a PGA Tour moderator for help uh, and was then uh, the conference ended shortly thereafter. Cameron Smith is number one on the International President's Cup team standings by a mile. He's like an average of 10 points, I believe, over number two. If he doesn't play for the international team, which, of course, if you tease it up in Boston, he would not. Look, they were already in a world of hurt, right? They're going to be... uh, 
significant underdogs. Careful. Cameron, I care about Cameron you. Smith Careful. Not, I care about you. Don't Cameron do this. Smith Trevor has your play. number. He's going to call you. Stop. If Cameron Smith does not play, ouch. It's, it's just a significant blow in more ways than one, not just the President's Cup, which is obviously significant in the short term. But the PGA Tour would be missing its players' champion. You'd be missing potentially the reigning FedEx Cup champion. You'd be missing a guy who is under serious consideration for PGA Tour Player of the Year. You'd be, guy, you'd be missing a guy who is a defending champion of the PGA Tour's flagship event. I mean, I can go on and on. It, it would be a the open a, champion. A, it would be a, a game-changing move uh, if and when Cameron Smith move, uh, shifts over to live. It will, and... I, I think you and I have been really, really clear on this. Like I, I'm not judging players based on what they want to do or don't want to do. Like I think the Carlos Ortiz news this morning was interesting to me because without any further details, I think it's safe to assume that he decided that after everything he heard, he didn't want the shade that after the lawsuit was filed last week and all of these players completely pushed back, they'd had enough. We're not going to put up with this. You're not suing the tour. You're suing me. All the things we heard that he decided, you know what? I don't want this. I'm out. I'm going to step down. I'm not going to do the lawsuit anymore. I'm good with that. Like if you want to take, you want to play the live golf tour and you want to take the money, that's fine. Everyone has choices to make. And here's your choice. Make it. The idea that now you want to come back doesn't work. I made the same argument about Henrik Stenson saying that, look, he clearly had an agreement with Ryder Cup Europe. That, okay, if I take this captaincy, that I'm not going to go play Live Golf. And he clearly used that to leverage to get a better deal with Live Golf. That, to me, is wrong. Some people might call that business. I get it. Like, some people are just wired that way. I, I just think it's wrong. It's dirty. It's yuck. I think in this particular case, Ick. Cameron, yes, I think Cameron Smith is doing the exact same thing. And he's had a great season. This is the part you, you have a hard time wrapping your mind around. Like, on the golf course... There hasn't been anybody better this year on the golf course as far as consistency goes. And in this particular case, uh, Roy McIlroy statistically been the best player on the PGA Tour this season. Um, well, I mean, it'll be an interesting vote. I mean, when it comes to, comes time for the Jack Nicklaus Award, but uh, that's a different conversation. However, in this particular context, when you look at what he refuses to say at this point, because he clearly thinks he can, he has a he has a better than anyone else chance of winning the eighteen million dollars. So all you're worried about at this point is just padding your pocket that much more. That just feels ick too, yuck, whatever word you want to use. So I understand that, that, you know, if, if you want to go, just go now. And, and I understand that. And, oh, it doesn't look so good if you potentially win the eight, $18 million from the, the PJ tour. And then you bolt for the rival tour for a reported signing bonus of upwards of $100 million. I totally get that argument. The other part of me says, well, this has been rumored for weeks months there was nothing stopping him from leaving earlier in fact he probably could have squeezed and say even, no even even like, more it's money very, very simple just say no i'm not leaving to go to live golf but i also kind of respect the fact that cameron smith is playing out his pj tour obligations for this season and if he wants to leave obligation after the end of the 2021 2022 season he has fulfilled his duties as a pj tour member he's played his minimum he has played uh, all the events that are expected of him, he's. Uh, what are you doing? He's he's he showed up. I don't think it's necessary. Like, I I understand your criticism of it, Rex. Another part of me feels like, you know what? Good for him for at least seeing it through, as opposed to just bailing on the PJ Tour when the number. So it, you're telling me if the number two seed 
in the FedEx Cup playoffs, in the FedEx Cup season, the number two player all season long, if he left after the Open Championship, you don't think that would be a detriment to the PGA Tour? Of course it would. Oh, at least Without he's a, out. At least he's playing in this. Now, if he decides to leave, so be it. But at least he's closed the chapter on the season as opposed to just kind of leaving it hanging. No, I, I, I don't like people lying, just flat out lying. Like, if you're going to live golf, just say I don't it. think he's, I, he's I don't think he's lying. You don't think he's going to live golf. If he's not going no, to live golf, no. then it's a very, very simple answer to all of those questions he got today was, I'm not going to live golf. There, he's there not, is no he's not lying. He's no commenting. That's a big difference. Oh, stop. When did you become a PR person? That's ridiculous, Lab. He's, he's not lying. How he's do you being, know he's not he's, lying? Of course he's lying. He's not being forthcoming, but he's not lying. He's no commenting. What are you doing here? What, what's happening here? He has never said, I'm not going to live. No, come on. He's never said that. He's never said that. This might, this might be a, a, a point of semantics. It's However, totally semantics. Not, and, he and is you're, not lying. You're, you're making an argument just for the sake of argument. I know the thing that you're doing. No. You're, you're, you're doing the thing where you're just trying to argue the other side just to no. get me all kind of res- I kind of respect. I kind of. I do I'm not. not saying, I'm not saying I respect. I'm saying I kind of respect making the, the sacrifice. I'm seen, making the sacrifice based on the through. idea that I could, I could win $18 million. Is that really the argument you want to throw He's out there? He's seeing through his PGA Tour season. Oh, the season The season starts anew in three weeks. What's wrong with you? No. The season starts anew in three weeks. He's seeing it through. He's not so, bolting midway through. There have been plenty of guys who've been pushed in in this corner. I mean, Adam Scott's probably the best example of this. Let's go back two years where Adam Scott was pressed that, would you have any interest in Liv Goff? And Adam Scott being Adam Scott gave a very long and elegant, eloquent and well-thought-out answer where I can see the benefits of this. If Cameron Smith decided to go down that road, I would have so much more respect from him. Simply because just don't sit there and dismiss the idea that you're going to live golf and insult our intelligence. Because I can tell you right now, Cam Percy may not know where Cam Smith is going, but where there's this much smoke, there's fire. Uh, first of all, to expect that Cameron Smith to be as eloquent as Adam Scott uh, is is very unreasonable. What are you saying? What are you saying? Uh, to me, I think Cameron Smith is a very simple uh, uh, man. I think he's a simple person. And I'm actually surprised that he's leaving for the money. And, and look, he'd be probably foolish to turn down a uh, nine-figure uh, reported signing bonus. However... If you think back to the FedEx Cup playoffs last season, he was asked, you know, what are you going to do with the, I think there was $15 million last year for the first place prize. He goes, I, I, I don't even know. That's more money than I can even fathom. I just like boating and fishing and, and, and hanging out with my, who was a, his then girlfriend. Like money did not seem like a tantalizing aspect in his life at all. And yet now he has the potential, not just of capturing the $18 million first place prize, which would be more money than, he could fathom a year ago, but now potentially collecting a hundred million dollars plus there has to be something more to it because he's never been a player who has been drawn to the money. It potentially Rex could be the prospect of this team aspect. And if as Cameron Percy is to believe, and some of the rumors that we're hearing are to believe Cameron Smith will kind of captain uh, an all Aussie team. Uh, for live golf beginning when the league format starts in 2023. Maybe, I don't know, maybe that's the appealing aspect to him. So I'm surprised that he's bolting and he is certainly a departure from what we've seen in 2022. 
the collection of players that Liv has attracted so far have been guys who are decidedly past their primes, guys who are kind of um, uh, in middling PJ Tour careers, guys who are upstart, maybe um, players who are on the Asian Tour. I, I mean, it's it's they, they kind of fit in all of those molds. Dustin Johnson is the only player among the top 20 in the world who have joined live golf to this point. And so wooing Cameron Smith over to the rival tour is a significant coup for Greg Norman and company because of, of the season he has had. He is very much at age 28 in the prime of his career. Uh, And I'd be very curious to think or to, to hear what Cameron Smith's peers think of that move, because it does appear risky from the outset. I mean, for you to say it's not about the money, that's ridiculous. When people say it's not about the money, it's always about the money. Like, don't, don't be foolish on that. But I, but, I, but I wonder what happened over the past 54 weeks. $100 million happened. Like, I don't think we need to look any deeper than that. Like, why does it have to be any more complicated than that? But for someone who hasn't, who has never been about the money and has never thought about money, and again, and is, it's easy is to say I'm not about the money. Person. It's always about the money. Like, just stop, stop with that idea right now. Like, I, I don't know. Like, where... What if he likes a team concept? I, I, so, like, he's a maybe little bit he listened. But maybe he listened. I made to the this argument last week. Maybe, he maybe he listened to the podcast and he knows that I'm a big fan of the team concept. Well, I, I think this goes. I'll, I'll, this is a bad turn because we're comparing the president's cup to the Ryder cup but my argument was when paul casey said that well i love the team concept well that it doesn't add up like you turned your back on the greatest team golf event ever and it it, it, nothing is going to change that and you join this like stop making excuses i i'm not going to judge anybody who makes a choice because they get offered a hundred million dollars of course you're going to take that. It's ridiculous. We're not, we're not begrudging these guys. We're, we're, criticizing, we're, we're criticizing their career choice. Personally, if someone, asked me, if someone offered me $100 million, of course uh, I would jump at that opportunity. We're criticizing I don't the think career choice that. and where it goes. I mean, if someone gave me $500,000, uh, I'm jumping at it. If someone gave me 100000 Rex, I'm jumping. Uh, if someone offered me three squares a day and a roof, I think I'd jump at this point. I mean, in a room. don't you need four? Three squares. No, three square meals. Have you never heard that? Oh, did sure. I, did did sure. I date myself yeah. on that one? Well, my, as you as you as you tend to do, yes. But so so camp so camp Smith actually is an interesting choice, uh, an interesting case study, and that he is now exempt in the major championships for essentially the next five years by virtue of his win at the Open Championship. So he can map out um, again. Again, unless these organizing bodies for the major championships rewrite their qualifying criteria to ban live golfers, Cameron Smith is safe in the majors for the foreseeable future. So he's still looking at an 18 event schedule in 2023, including all the game's biggest events besides the players championship for which he would then be ineligible. Uh, yes. I mean, we're assuming the landscape remains the same, but I think that's probably right. So that's, so that's why it's like a different case than, uh, an ape answer, right. Or even a Taylor Gooch, who's a, who's the man of the moment, uh, after getting his TRO denied those guys, it, their, their access to the major championships in 2023 is very much an open question. 
Cam Smith's is not after hoisting the Claret Jug. Like he knows he's going to be into those events and is able to kind of map out a schedule still, still surrounding those. Yeah, I see that. And again, I, I don't begrudge. I mean, I, I want to keep being clear on this. Like I, I'm not begrudging anybody. We're critiquing goes- a career choice. We're not begrudging anyone. Yes. And, and I think I'm critiquing the way he's handling this in this particular case where it's clear if he doesn't go to live golf, I'm going to be shocked because at some point you could have saved of course yourself. He's going to live golf. Of course he's going to live golf. Cause all you have to do is say, no, I, I want to play the PGA tour. It's what I've always dreamed about. It's a very simple phrase. Dozens of guys have now spewed it and spit it out there. And we know, Oh, okay. He's not going to live golf. He's a tour guy. And so wait, particular- so wait, if you want to game this out here, so you, so you wanted Cameron Smith in this previously press, uh, scheduled press conference to stand up there and say, yes, I'm going to live golf, and I'm leaving in four weeks' time. I'm going to play this FedEx Cup playoff. No. I'm hoping going to win this $18 million first-party prize, and then, folks, I am leaving. I just want to be totally honest with you. I appreciate you asking the question. That's what you want him no, to do. No, absolutely not. No, I'm not. I'm not you, you're trying to put foolish words in my mouth, and that's not what I'm doing whatsoever. I, again, I'll go back to the Adam Scott interview two years ago where he sort of just painted a picture that, yes, I'd like to post up at home and only play 14 events. I'd love to get a nine-figure guaranteed money offer from someone to go out and try to play. I'd love to only play three rounds. All of the things that go into this, like, yes, absolutely. I'm not foolish. Like, that's what I expect him to say. In this particular case, no, don't stand up there and say, yeah, uh, sorry, in three weeks I'm gone. We'll see you guys later. Like, no, no one's going to say that. I'm not foolish enough to think that. However... He can actually stand up and be honest without just coming out and spewing that, yes, I've signed the contract. Do you guys want to see it? Do you want him to say, yes, I'm intrigued, and we'll see how it plays out? Exactly. That's exactly what I expect him to say. Because th- that's fair to everyone involved. Don't you think he's doing the PGA Tour solid by not no. doing that and not creating a distraction? You think that's a solid? You think the it's PGA Tour... Than- they're doing him saying, a solid when he's going to end up winning the FedEx Cup, winning the $18 million, and then being like, Saranara. I mean, it's better than him going up there and saying, yeah, I can't wait to go to my competitor. When we all know it's true, again, it's one thing to be disingenuous. It's one thing to be disingenuous when the entire world knows that you're being disingenuous. You must be really upset at all these 48 live golfers because they've been disingenuous throughout this entire process. Dustin no, Johnson no, they haven't. The no, I disagree with you. Bryce DeChambeau has already been signed very a contract upfront. twice with Live Golf. Okay, Lee, Lee Westwood is an exception. Although you and you and Lee Westwood uh, also have a decorated past, if I recall, uh, based on some of the previous comments you made uh, about the Ryder Cup. Uh, how about me. Brooks Kepka? <laughs> You're right. Oh, oh man, died. mute the just mute. Just died. oh my. God, that's sorry. You caught me by surprise. You've got to edit that out. That is so bad. Oh, I was laughing hysterically. <laughs> I thought of, of uh, Lee Westwood uh, hissing at you. Uh, how about Brooks Kepka on Monday of U.S. Open week at a Rolex function, uh, trying to persuade other players, rallying the troops, trying to get them to support the PGA Tour. A week later, he is gone after a nine-figure signing bonus. Disingenuous has been the word to describe this entire process. This entire uh, and I'm not happy with loyalty among the PGA Tour defectors. And trust me, I'm not happy with any of them. But when it comes to this particular case, that we're only talking about Cam Smith right now. And had he just decided not to talk today, probably would have even been better in my mind. Uh, I agree that he probably should 
have canceled the press conference. If I'm advising Cameron Smith, I would have canceled the press conference. You now, just don't uh, talk, man. But like to his credit, stood there and answered the questions. Answered four questions about live golf. I don't know. I kind of respect it. Uh, Rex, what else? What else are you looking forward? Now, now that we've got this TRO behind us, now that we've got the Cameron Smith drama uh, behind us, at, at least uh, temporarily, what else are you looking forward to seeing this week uh, at TBC Southwind? Uh, barbecue. Now I can, sure. I can pick up where I left off. So uh, there's going to be plenty of places I want to see. I don't know if I'll see any tomorrow night because I'll be in a red eye haze, but I'll, I'll make it out to whatever I do. And the first playoff of it, like, I, I like the idea that for whatever reason, whatever motivated the judge to rule the way she did, she has created a clean slate, at least for this playoffs. And I'm not drinking. The could finally, we could finally focus on the golf. Well, no, and I'm not drinking the Kool-Aid that now we focus on a wonderful season, whatever the, the, the memo said from commissioner Jay Monahan, but I'm more to the idea that now we don't have those distractions because I can't imagine what it possibly would have been like to have those three players in the field next week. I can't imagine how awkward it would have been when they walked to the first tee. I can't imagine how uncomfortable it was when they walked on the range. I can't imagine just having them there would have just disrupted everything. And we don't have that every, disruption. every player would have been asked about it. Certainly on Wednesday, certainly about the course of the tournament. And what it if they played well? And like, like Taylor Gooch has actually been playing well uh, in his uh, live starts that he has made his three live starts that he's made. So far now, it's obviously weaker competition. Uh, however, a good play uh, is good play. Like there is a there is a better than average chance that Taylor Gooch at number twenty in the point standings as we head into the first playoff event would have qualified for the Tour Championship. It would have been an uphill battle for both Matt Jones and Hudson Swafford. But Taylor Gooch, uh, by virtue of his win at your fifth major, the RSM Classic uh, last November, was in good position to advance uh, to East Lake, and so not having to look at those projected standings and what that could potentially mean, hearing players pop off about that. Like it, 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 that was a great way to put it. It's a clean slate now for the playoffs. There's certainly other storylines now that we can focus on, whether it's Scotty Scheffler trying to kind of cap what, what appears to be a PJ tour player of the year caliber year. I'm very curious Rex to see uh, how Roy McIlroy shakes off the disappointment of what happened at the old course uh, and tries to put a punctuation mark on what has been statistically, at least as you looking at strokes gain numbers, uh, one of the best seasons of his PJ tour career. You look at guys like Patrick Cantlay trying to defend his title, uh, Tony Finau trying to continue his hot streak. We're obviously going to have the qualifying period for uh, the U S president's cup and international president's cup teams wrapping up here. We have the drama of the captain's picks as well. That'll have to be decided in the next couple of weeks. So there's plenty to look forward to. I'm curious though, Rex is Greg Norman live officials. They going to start sprinkling in more rumors, more speculation, more drops just to kind of keep them in the news during this uh, kind of PJ tour takeover period for these next three weeks. I wouldn't be surprised at all if we saw that as well. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised, but it seems like probably the next round of announcements, uh, which I think we just went round and round about, which would be Cameron Smith and Mark Leishman seems to be uh, in that next wave, that they would not come until after the playoffs are over. So my guess is we at least have uh, a few weeks. or at least Officially, a few officially they might not be unveiled, of course, 
However, um, there certainly could be published reports of of guys going. That'd be a that'd be an ideal way if you're live. This is from the live perspective. That'd be an ideal way to stay in the news and kind of subvert the PJ Tour if they if they just landed a victory uh, in court. Uh, I would agree, and my guess is that's the way it all plays out. Uh, I would agree with that as well. What do you have on the schedule? What do you have on the docket for Memphis related eats? Uh, I'm still waiting for the email you were going to send me to tell me where I needed to go. I believe you scoffed at, at the suggestion that I would uh, th- that I would that I would be able to to pick out your restaurants. Uh, Chris Chris Datris, uh, who is a fine Daddy. producer, fine uh, producer, he'll be my man uh, for Golf Channel. Uh, he wrote shot. He wrote shotgun on my barbecue journey uh, last year. If you did not uh, see my tweet on Monday night, I don't have many followers, so you probably did not uh, last year. Uh, I engaged in what was basically a barbecue gorge fest uh, and eat sweats and, and every night that I spent in Memphis, which was seven nights uh, I maxed out uh, my per diem uh, on barbecue hitting the absolute best restaurants in Memphis. Do not regret it uh, whatsoever. Uh, however, I do have a couple of favorites. If you're taking notes, uh, get out uh, your notepad uh, right now, uh, I would put uh, uh, the commissary as an absolute so must stop uh, on my Memphis tour. Uh, the barbecue shop, B A R hyphen B hyphen Q shop, uh, was very good as well. Sweet Lou's uh, fried chicken. Uh, do not be deterred uh, by what appears to be a gas station. Uh, it is it is delicious. Gus's gets all the acclaim in Memphis, right? Uh, I would I would actually rate Sweet Lou's as a be- or excuse me, Uncle Lou's, Uncle Lou's in Memphis as better than Gus's fried chicken. Uh, you also have to hit up uh, Cozy Corner as well. Um, I wouldn't recommend Corky's uh, that I went to last year. No offense to the, the fine folks at Corky's, I uh, just wouldn't go back there. Uh, and Central Barbecue uh, and Rendezvous was closed last year. Although it is a bit of a tourist trap, uh, Rendezvous uh, is good as well. I literally just got a text message from Daddy uh, with a picture of his pulled pork nachos with the caption "We back." Atta boy, atta boy. Sadly, sadly, he is not. He is not with you. Uh, what is your expense report uh, per diem, Rex? How much can you max out? Uh, I mean, I, I max it out. Let's just leave it at that. I maxed it out last night. Actually, I actually found a place right next door here, and I'm yeah. You're in, you're in California. You probably ordered a probably ordered a burger and burger and a beers, and you're already at seventy five bucks. No, it's a, it's a, actually an Italian place. It's right next to my hotel. It was called Old Joe's, and uh, I dropped a hundred dollars in there last night. Just dinner and one drink. So you get an idea. It was very expensive, but it was very good. Oh my goodness, it's like we're in St. Andrews all over you with a hundred dollar. Uh, per diem. Uh, Rex, thanks for your service today. Uh, could not have done it without you, or at least uh, understood all of the legalese. If you guys uh, missed any of it, head over to golfchannel.com uh, for Rex's reports, uh, as well as a detailed explanation of all the things that went down uh, in the courtroom on Tuesday. But just to recap the headline, the three suspended PJ Tour players will not be allowed to compete in the FedEx Cup playoffs, which will begin on Thursday in Memphis. You can catch Rex on Golf Today and Golf Central for the rest of the week, live from TBC Southwind. I'll be on the road uh, each of the next two weeks uh, of the FedEx Cup playoffs. 
uh, including the uh, both of us together uh, at the tour championship. We may, yes. we may. Yes. It's still an open question of whether we will do a video component to this podcast. Still doing a little bit of uh, wrangling on that issue as well. But thank you guys for listening uh, to this edition of the Golf Central podcast presented by Callaway Golf. We'll talk to you guys next week.